Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Vanderbilt football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. As always, in the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins, joined by Commodore legend himself, Ryan Seymour. Ryan, it's uh, it's been a minute. Matt, it's it's been a minute, and um, dude, I miss you. I miss doing this show. You know, every week you and I text, maybe this is going to be the week. Maybe we'll have something to, dis- to discuss after a big win. Unfortunately, it's been... I want to say the usual, but kind of the same old letdown. And um, we've got a lot to lot to get into this week and kind of where the season's progressing as we are halfway through the year almost this year for uh, the 2021 football season. Yeah, man, it's been tough because, you know, I, you know I, I'm at every game. I'm sitting in the stands. And this last week was particularly disheartening for me. And now there are glimmers of hope in certain places, but just the overall excitement level, I guess I would say, is is just not there whatsoever. And it's palatable in the in the stadium how yeah. just downtrodden everyone is, which makes it, you know, just to pull you guys behind the curtain, it makes it tough to want to do a podcast, man, when 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 the team doesn't I mean I I know the guys are out there giving you know giving their best effort but man it is just it, it's really yeah, tough to I, I muster this, up the energy. I had the conversation with Chris Lee and I was watching his YouTube live at the end of the uh, at the end of the game on Saturday and you know like you said we we don't want to be and he he made a comment he was like you know guys I like I love doing these YouTube lives after the game but. I always feel like I have the same message, which is, you know, you know, particularly a negative message or maybe I'm putting the team down. And he's like, that's not my goal here, guys. Like, obviously, my goal is to not just come on every week and just absolutely bash the university, bash the guys like we don't want to do that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's really, really difficult to, to find positivity, especially um, with the expectations that we all had going into 2021 with Clark Lee. And we're just starting to, see, you know, we're obviously just seeing a lot of the same old Vanderbilt as they as they say, um, in this year's football class. And so, you're right, Matt. Obviously, you and I text every week trying to think, you know, trying to put put trying uh, to put something together, some, yeah, some, something together. And you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm on Twitter just trying to tweet bad things to get followers. But at the end of the day, that's you know, that's all we have to say. And we'll dive into obviously you know, our thoughts on Mississippi state and, you know, uh, South Carolina and the progression of the, you know, the team and what we see is going to happen for the rest of the future. But, but yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've got Missouri this weekend, you know, Kentucky after that, I'm, you know, in Ole Miss and in Tennessee and man, like, I don't know, South Carolina gave me hope for so long. And then that end of the, at the end of that game was, you know, it was the old cliche of the prevent defense prevents you from winning, and it was just rushing three and dropping eight and letting them and letting Zeb Dolan, who wasn't even supposed to play football this year, just pick you apart was was so disheartening yet completely expected, and so that 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 that's what was just unbelievably 
frustrating as a mm-hmm. fan of the team, as someone who follows the team. And last week against Mississippi State, you know, in, in the preseason, I do a, I, I do a big picks thing with a bunch of other uh, SEC podcasters and bloggers and stuff like that. And I'd picked I, I'd picked Vandy to to beat Mississippi State this year. I picked them to beat both South Carolina and Mississippi State this year. And oh man, was I wrong on that one? Because <laughs> you know that I, I don't know what is what what is more frustrating me for me right now, the defense or the offense. I think it's got to be the offense, just because they're they are dead last in the country in scoring offense. They're averaging thirteen point two points per game. They've been shut out twice. They've scored two touchdowns in SEC play in four games. And, you know, for what I see with, you know, Ken Seals has been injured. Mike Wright has flashes, but he's wildly inconsistent. And that is, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an understatement. <laughs> I mean, watching Saturday, sorry. I mean, since you go ahead, since you brought up Mike Wright. Yeah, go for it. That's uh, kind of where I wanted I to head that- anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I thought that was one of the worst performances by Mike Wright um, of his career thus far. I went back and watched the game, and I like to go back every week, and I record them. And I usually watch the games live, but then I'll, I'll typically go back and watch the offensive line in particular just because I kind of like to watch uh, some of those guys. And, you know, unless you slow it down, you really can't see a lot of the actions that's happening up front. But after watching the O-line, and my initial thought when I was watching the game was, man, the O-line is not playing well. I mean, God, he's getting so much pressure. That was my initial take. And after re-watching the game, I noticed that I thought the O-line actually had some really nice protection. I thought that Mike Wright, every single, uh, every single passing play, it was the same kind of motion where he would, you know, collect the snap from Julian Hernandez. He would take one pump. And then it was immediately looking to run. You know, it's like he was checking his first read. And then after that, it was completely shut down. He wasn't going into a second or check down. He was immediately looking for an opportunity to run. He would be doing this point thing where he was, you know, pointing for his receivers to basically turn around and start blocking. I saw him do that point thing probably five or six times in the game. Um, You know, I noticed Great protection by the tackles. Ashmore and Steen were pushing the guys up the field. The interior three were actually doing a pretty good job of actually not getting knocked back. And Wright was looking for places to run. And because Steen and Ashmore were pushing the guys up the field, Wright doesn't know how to step up. He only knows how to peel out. He does this thing where he kind of spins out of the pocket. And him spinning out of the pocket is spinning him right into the defenders. Now, it'd be one thing if he took two steps up and got underneath the tackles, um, but he wasn't doing that at all. He was immediately spinning out of the pocket and looking for an opportunity to run the ball. I think Mike Wright was shook or he just wasn't confident. I'm not sure. Maybe after that hit he took, you know, I think that like earlier on in the season, I I don't know. But um, yeah, Mike Wright, I'm going to have to put a lot of those sacks on him for for Saturday's game. Um, And then we saw obviously – Josh, I forget his, I forget his last name. Mosa, right? Joshua, Joseph Mosa, Jeremy. Jeremy. Sorry. I knew Jay. I was like, I was stuck on Jeremy Mosa came in and I even saw earlier, it was either yesterday or uh, the day before I saw Clark Lee tweet that Mosa actually had a pretty good game in his eyes. 
I would absolutely have to agree. Mosa came in after watching Mike Wright the entire game. Mosa came in the last quarter, and he was making quick decisions. Okay, he w- he looked very comfortable in the pocket. He was taking two or three steps back, like you see most quarterbacks. They they receive the ball from the center. They take two or three steps back, and then they either release it or they kind of pump it and take a few steps up, which what he which is what Mosa was doing. He he was. You know, he had a few he had a few passes that were a little inaccurate. He had a couple that were over the receivers' heads. But what I loved about him was that he looked like a an NFL quarterback standing in the pocket. He was tall. He had his elbows up. He was checking through his reads. He had a quick release. He never one time, even when he got pressure on one of the on one of the rushes, that uh, he never once looked to turn it into a run. I just thought he looked really comfortable. I thought he looked like a professional quarterback back there. He was making much quicker decisions. He was going through his reads, going through his checkdowns is what QBs have to do. And uh, I just saw the traumatic difference between Mike Wright's play and Mouse's play. Um, again, Wright looking for every any opportunity to, to spin out and turn it into a run. Um, and again, the small clips that we saw of Mouse, it just looked like a completely different offense. I mean, they were he, he connected on a couple passes over the middle. He had one throw that went over the receiver's heads that went out of bounds. Uh, and then one that was kind of low. So again, a, a couple inaccurate throws, but I just love his decision making. Like, you know, it did look it just looked like a much smoother offense when he when he was in the game. I agree. Um and, and when you texted that to me, I, I went back and, and, and watched it and I, I really agree. I want to go back though to a to a point that you were making about about Steen. Um, because I think he has grown as much as anybody on this offense. Through, from from game mm-hmm. one through through game eight, I feel like he has done a just just a remarkable job of getting up to speed in the SEC, and I, I think that his you know his, his play has uh, has really you know uh, like I said just like grown. And if you look at you know I mean obviously it's not the be all end all, but you know if you look at something like a Pro Football Focus rating. You know he's grown, especially as a pass blocker throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's and so w- when you mentioned that, uh, he he seems to be pass setting correctly, and then when Wright's rolling into the guys, right? So it's not on, yeah, it's not really on exactly. him. Maybe some of the sacks was... that he's giving up. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm very impressed with his ability to th- sort of get up to there. And I don't know, like I feel like the the offensive line as a unit has gone from definitely like probably the biggest deficiency on offense to being at least middle of the pack and, you know, mm-hmm. passable, like a step above mediocre, if you will, not mm-hmm. poor, which is where I think they started. Yeah. I watched again, I rewatched the game against Mississippi state and I think they actually did a, a fantastic job, especially in the passing game and the rushing game. Um, still a little quick trying to get to the second level instead of taking care of the down linemen. Uh, which they just need to be a little bit more confident, a little bit more uh, patient, I guess you could say. Let We always say let one take you to two. Don't be in a rush to get to the second level. Otherwise, the D-line is just going to make the play. Um, so they need to work on that a little bit, which, by the way, uh, you know, the, the play calling itself, I think, is horrendous. Excuse my language. But, like, uh, it's freaking terrible. I mean, they are gashing some of these outside zone plays, and then they, they, switch, they switch and they do something else, and I'm like, what was that? But to answer your question about, or to piggyback on Steen, you know, I think you're absolutely right. 
because I haven't really been hearing a lot of his name, offensive line is so funny. It's like when you don't hear about a guy or when your name's not being called, that's actually a really good thing. You know, you never want to be uh, you never want to be called out for, oh, he's doing a really bad job. Because it's typically you either you're getting penalized or you're giving up a, a, a sack. Exactly. Exactly. Either being penalized or giving up a sag, but you know, I haven't heard his name a whole lot and I've been watching him and I think he's done a really good job. Definitely in the passing game. I saw him finish a couple guys, you know, pancaking, rolling a couple dudes up. I love seeing that. There was one play where he didn't quite uh, finish his set. A guy was at the top of the uh, top of the rush and he spun back inside and right stepped up and he did give up a sack on that one. But uh, again, you know, he, he can't control when the quarterback steps up. I mean, he can't see behind him. But um, but no, I think he's did a good job. Ashmore, I think, is also another guy doing a good mm-hmm. job. Still, I think the weakest links are obviously the interior three. Uh, Julian is still kind of figuring out. I think he is a big step up um, from the uh, from the guy we had the from first Warden. two games. Yes, Warden. Um, just because of his physical stature, you know, it, it was apparent when Warden was in that uh, – he was just getting manhandled by some of those nose tackles. So at least mm-hmm. Julian is is holding his own a little bit better. He's still opening up his hips a little bit and giving guys a short edge. I still think the guys need to work on passing off games. But those are all just things. Those are all just fundamentals. Playing as a unit, I think you're right. I think they're a step above mediocre now, um, which is, you know, I guess kind of to be expected. But I think the QB situation is just absolutely killing us. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The QB situation is absolutely – we can't convert. We get to first and second down. We get to a manageable third down. You know, a lot of them were three and three, three and four, three and, three and short. And we go into this, you know, quick passing game that you see, um, which, by the way, I don't know. We, we took one shot in Saturday's game, which was like 90% of our total yards. <laughs> um, and – I, all I saw was Mike Wright making quick little passes over the, you know, over the kind of near the sidelines. But so I actually, I want, I want to talk about the, those quick passes because that was something I, I wanted to bring up as well. I think that one of the reasons that Wright really struggles with these quick passes is that Seals was getting all those first team reps in the off season, in the spring, and fall camp, and those are time, you know, those are timing patterns, right? And Wright just has not played the same amount of snaps with these guys as seals ever did. And so he's still getting the timing down and he's not inherently as accurate of a quarterback. And so when you put those two things together, you, you see him missing a lot of these, what should be relatively simple throws, but because he doesn't have that sort of intangible or that, or the relationship with the receivers that seals does having thrown to them nearly as much, he's missing these throws a lot or when he doesn't see if he doesn't see the media like like you said he's tucking the ball and trying to run and now defenses are 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 playing that and are keying in on that and whether they're leaving in a spy or they are running a lot more zone against us because they know that he doesn't have the accuracy to beat a zone Mm-hmm. Then you know. If I'm a D line coach, I'm telling the end. If I'm telling, if I'm the D line coach, I'm telling both of my ends to do speed rush, speed mm-hmm. rush, containment, because he doesn't have the ability to kind of step up in the pocket and you know turn some of these, you know, turn some of these run into big runs into big plays. He, his thing is he tries to spin out of it, and so if I'm a D line coach, I'm telling my edge rushers, hey, contain speed outside don't try to do any you know you know 
coming underneath, uh, spins or swims or anything like that. I'm telling them to play the speed. I will tell you one position group that I think is also being underratedly bad is the tight end position. Oh, um, they're getting no production. They're getting no production, especially in the run game and blocking. Oh my goodness. I watched, I watched probably five plays where they do this thing. They put the tight end in motion and he comes back and it's supposed to chip the end or block the end. There was like five plays where they ran that same play and the tight ends just whiffed on the DN. The, the, the DN absolutely collapsed it, wrong arm, shouldered the guy, and made the tackle at the line of scrimmage or a TFL for like – like I saw the same play five times, and every time the tight end busted it. Um, same thing in the passing game. Last week before that against uh, – I don't know if it was against Carolina or was another – it was before that where they did that tackle – over in the slot and they put a fourth tight end over there. Um, you know, and they ended up throwing a, uh, ended up throwing a, a pick, but, um, yeah, man, the tight end production, I noticed that in particular, especially in the run game is lacking big time. Um, some of these big runs that sh- uh, some of these run it runs that should have been a big gash. Uh, I can think of one play in particular where the O-line all blocked down. They had everyone covered up, uh, Ashmore completely, freaking crushed a three technique, like pancaked him. And then the tight end came in motion, was going to kick out the end. And it just, it was the TFL at the line of scrimmage because the the tight end looked like Tim Tebow out there trying to block the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it all, they also haven't been there in the past game at all uh-uh. either. And, nope. you know, I, while this wasn't a tight end group that was supposed to be, you know, you know, we don't expect them to be Kyle Pitts out there. Like we were expecting something. And what we've gotten is basically nothing. And my, my question is if, if you're on the team, I think we talked, we talked about it last year too, man. Like if you're in that locker room, where's your head at, at this point? Because yeah, I'm I'm texting. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I've been texting Julian. And so Mm -hmm. earlier in the season, like before even week one, uh, Blazik reached out to me and said, you know, hey, Ryan, we're trying to do a better job of getting the alumni more involved. Like, you know, you wore number 62. Julian Hernandez wore 62. I wanted to share his number with you so you guys can obviously text throughout the season and just kind of catch up and play mentor or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, me and him actually text all the time. Uh, we texted on Sunday a little bit, and I asked him that question. I was like, you know, what does the locker room feel? Because, obviously, as spectators, we don't see what's going on behind closed doors. Um. And he said, I guess what we're all, you know, thinking is going on. He said, there's a few, there's, you know, a few of us that are still, you know, there's a few of us that are still into it, I guess you could say, like, you know, excited about the opportunity to play, you know, because a lot of these guys are first year starters. So a lot of these guys are, he said, are, are hungry, are still excited to play the game. But he said, there's also a large portion of the team is checked out, you know, it's just there going through the motions. He said, he said, guys are just, you know, it's like clocking in, clocking out, you know, their attitude is, is, Oh, you know, we're going to, who are we going to lose to this week? Kind of. And um, that's tough, man. I, I don't think Julian's one of those guys. He seems to be, you know, fighting for his center position. I think he's really, really excited. Um, 
to be getting the playing time that he is. And again, like I talked about, I think he's definitely a step up and it's getting better. He's got some things to work on, but um, I don't want to throw him under the bus. And he's, you know, he's not giving me any specific names, but basically his message was that, you know, there's a few of us that obviously are still excited to be here and, and, and are hungry to win, but there's a, a, a big portion of the team that is unfortunately either like come to the realization that, they're not going to win or has just given up or just going through the motions. But, um, you know, obviously we all, I, you know, everybody tweets at me every single week, well, what do you think of Lee? What do you think of Lee? And there's no question that he has a lot on his plate, especially just, uh, when, you know, taking over a team that didn't win a game last year, I always tweet Oh, and nine, you know, Oh, and nine, because I can't stand Derek Mason. <laughs> and, um, so he, you know, he obviously has to change the culture there at Vanderbilt. And, you know, I could only speak on what I know, but that was such a, that was something that James Franklin did such a good job of was immediately when he got on campus was changing our mindset into believing that we will win. And that our goal every week to should, should to be going. Oh, and one, that was his message. You mean the one whole and time he, Yeah. One, not trying to go own one every week. That, 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 no, no, that's, no. What, that's what Mason did no. last year. Yeah, that was Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, his message was is that we're going we're gonna to be one and oh this week. We're not going to look ahead. We're not going to look behind us. Our, mess, you know, our goal is to be one and oh this week. And I heard in the press conference for Lee, you know, someone said, you know, hey, coach, how's your team going to respond? And his answer was, you know, we're, gonna, we're just going to try to win the uh what do you say we're going to try to win the response we're going to try to win the response is what his was, what does what that even comment. mean <laughs> it means that they're going to try to overcome you know the loss is what his message sounded like not that we're hey it's behind us we're gonna beat you know beat the next team's ass that we're playing this week his message is hey we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> win the uh what did I say? Win the response. Win the response. Yeah. Win the, win response. the response. What on earth? <laughs> like I, you know, I, I, I've heard tons and tons of coach speak in my life. Not as much as you clearly have, but you know, you go through these press conferences. I, I, I listened to the Dan Lebetard show. And one of the thing, one of the funniest, best pieces of things, the content they put out every week is called the useless sound montage. And the useless sound montage is players and coaches in press conferences after every game, just giving all the cliches, like every single cliche you could imagine just from that past weekend. (laughs) It's, it's one of my favorite segments every week. And the, that is something that is straight out of the useless sound montage. Win the response, like, come on. Like I, I'm going to go my biggest frustration i've said this here i've said it everywhere i've sent it to you and bruno and text coach lee it operates like a cyborg he has no emotions good batter good batter other that's a perfect analogy he it's it's like i i don't understand how you can be on that how you can be on the sideline during a game during the good during the bad and just have the exact same expression, no matter what is happening on the field, 
no matter what is going on in the stands, like there could be like, I, I, like you, you could see like, like the second coming of Christ could happen in the stands. He could (laughs) literally like descend from the heavens. And I don't think his expression would change. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. It's uh. You know, gosh, I don't want to start going down this path where we start, you know. I don't want to, like, I don't want I don't, to, like, I don't bash want to him. Like, I really don't. Exactly. I, don't, I don't want the show to be the, the uh, you know, believe in Bash Clark Lee and, hour. But I know. My goodness, bro. It's... I just don't think, okay, I, I've been with a lot of teams, man. I played for seven NFL teams in my five years. I mean, I've played for some of the best coaches. I mean, uh a lot, a lot of really, really good football coaches. And one thing that's consistent with all these guys is they, none of them had the personality that Clark Lee had. Um, Not one of them. They were all psychopaths. I mean, honestly, they really are. I mean, the amount of hours that these guys devote and just the sacrifices they make for their lives and families, which is just absolutely insane. If people don't realize, I mean, if you're a player, you're in the building eight hours. These guys are in the building like, 20 hours a day like sleeping three or four hours a night especially during season but um even through all that and obviously i'm sure coach lee and his staff is doing the same thing you know long hours long nights i mean you know hey you're getting paid five million bucks a year you know i could go i I could go with three or four hours a night sleep (laughs) but um no one thing they all had in common was this like tenacity and this like rage to want to win week in and week out and they showed it at practice you know on game day all of them even my o-line coaches none of them had this like herb hand there we're gonna win oh dude herb was in tears herb hand every single week had no voice was absolutely by third by thursday his voice was starting to get a little bit better from like the previous saturday and by like Saturday, his once again, his voice was completely gone, just hoarse, screaming, screaming. I I remember we talked about when we were losing to Eastern Tennessee, the first game of the season. I'm like, Herb Hand would have made an absolute scene at that game. Like he would have been throwing chairs, like mother us so bad. Like people would have been concerned for our well-being. People in the stands would have been like. Oh my God. Like those, are they okay? (laughs) Are they okay? Are they going to survive? Yeah. Like, I just don't see how, I just don't see how no one is having that reaction. Like I'm not, I'm not there to watch it on TV, but like, how is no one having that reaction where Lee doesn't just drop his clipboard, grab someone by the face mask and just rip into them. Football's a game of passion. Like it, it it takes like, yes, you need to be like cool, calm and collected under pressure. But you like that doesn't happen without the passion. Like even even Nick Saban, who's won more than anyone else in history, still shows like I mean, even when they're winning with against Tennessee, he's going out there and he is ripping his DBs a new one when they're up twenty one. And yeah. I mean, I I don't know of a successful coach that is just that completely stoic almost mm-hmm. to a fault mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it, I, and that has to rub off on the players that has to I just don't there, see, there's no way that it yeah. doesn't right exactly i just don't see how his again 
like you are what you put on tape, right? And that mm-hmm. was like everyone's message, like, oh, well, I would have got him or, hey, you know, every, every guy's excuse is, oh, I'll get him in the game. No, no, no. You are what you put on tape, right? And that is like the absolute truth statement. They say, I and the sky don't lie. But yeah, like you're saying, Matt, like if, if Coach Lee is, you know, if he's having anywhere near the same response, I guess you could say, that we see on Saturdays, Monday through Friday, you know, at practice, in meetings, I mean, how, how as a player can you respond after getting your butts whipped every single week to we're going to win the response, you know, and, and just, you know, there's some things that we knew to address and yeah, we didn't do very good on offense. And yeah, we like, you're right. I, I just don't see how any player could respond to that and want to, and want to make a change. You know, I, I just think they, they're comfortable now. Every single player, you know, as a coach, your job is to motivate the players. Your, your, your job is to help them perform to their best ability. And coaches always say, like, I failed you if I didn't push you to where somewhere where you never thought you were going to be able to go. And, um, yeah, I just, I just don't see how these guys are not feeling comfortable in losing. Like, if I'm a player and I'm in that locker room and coaches are having this kind of, like, monotone attitude – well, as a player, I'm going to get used to that. I'm going to say it's okay to lose. It's okay to get beat. It's okay that we're a mediocre team right now. Um, and the guys are only as good as the leaders, you know, and especially that starts with number one, you know, the head coach. And so, you know, again, I don't want to turn this into the Bash Clark Lee podcast, but man, I tell you, we're we're halfway through and I just don't see how – you know, we're going to make it to year two with him. And I'm already seeing guys on the Twitter, you know, Twitter pages. Hey, you got to give him at least, he's going to take at least three years for him to turn it around. It's going to take him at least a few years. Have you been following college sports? It's like, have you been following college, college sports? You don't get three years anymore. You don't get three years anymore. You do it Vandy. Well, you get 10 if you go 0 and 9. At any other, at any other school worth their mustard, you don't. You know, you see, I mean, it's it's not the same. Florida State canned Willie Taggart after a year and a half. They're about to they're gonna can Mike Norvell here after oh, an, another two I mean, years. Like, stepping down to LSU after winning the national championship two years ago. Less exactly. Now there's some off the field stuff there that is uh, quite well. unsa- quite unsavory. <laughs> uh, well, you know. You know, I mean, I saw a TikTok of him walking up in some like motel with some broad. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, well, I mean, there's, I mean, there, there's some great stories going on there. He brought, he was, he got divorced, like, right after they won the title. Like, very uh, soon after they won the title. And besides, like, being, you know, seen partying with co-eds and whatnot, like, he's been, like, dating women and, like, having You gotta them, like, love him. You gotta bring, love the guy. He's having, he's bringing these women's kids to practice and having them get in on drills. Like... Yeah. He's hitting on a boot, like a they very notable booster's wife at the gas station. Yeah. Oh my god. He, I mean, you gotta love the guy. Obviously, he's not in the right head place right now to be the leader no. of uh of nineteen year old kids. No. You know, he he got a national championship, and obviously, he's just been enjoying it for the last two years. But um, but no. To our point, it's like I just I just hope that we don't go into the same spin that we had with you know coach Derek mason where oh he just needs a few years and a few years once he gets his recruiting class in once he gets facilities once he gets 
I'm tired of this excuse making. And you and I were obviously talking before the show started today about just, um, you know, the same, we're starting to see the same repetitive nature of Vanderbilt football that we have seen in Vanderbilt on athletics. And on, yeah. And Vanderbilt athletics larger mm-hmm. than that. It's not just football. It's we are seeing the lip service be paid and then not actually doing anything on the back end. You look at this Vandy United project and it's you know it, it looks like it's you know there there's no there there. It's the it's the typical mouse service where they release something to kind of shut the public up and then basically never follow through, right? I mean, I, they've been telling me they were going to do renovations to McGugan from when I got there in, in 2008. It's 2021, man. Like, you know, I don't believe anything. It's been they 40 ever say. years since they did any renovations on the stadium. 40. Yeah. Four zero. Wow. Like besides, like add some like updated like scoreboards and jumbotrons. Like yeah. Any sort of like infrastructural updates? They changed the hot. They years. changed the hot dog menu. Like yeah, forty years. Holy crap! Yeah, no, I I don't believe anything these guys say. It's it's such a service. It's not even funny. You can't. And 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 when you are at that point, when then there is, I don't think that there is anything that they could say at this point that would make me believe the. What, what is coming out of Magugan? The only, yeah. like, I, at this point, I can only believe actions that I see. And now maybe I'm a sucker because I just got my basketball season tickets in, in the mail and I'll be going to all the games and I'll be going to, and I'm, you know, we've got our bid down for baseball tickets and we'll be going to all the games and we'll be, I'll be back in the fall for more football games. That doesn't change the fact that. I am still very upset with the athletic department. Well, we still haven't even gotten answers from what happened in 2020. No, you know, I mean, they act. We're not going to. We're not going to. They act like that was. They act like that was a hundred years ago. They they act like that never happened. When you even bring up, like, you know, hey, are we going to address why half of our team entered the transfer portal and sat out last year? Like, did we ever even address that? No. Oh no no no. We're moving forward with Clark Lee. Like. You know, we're not going to talk about that. That's in the past. Like they never want to take responsibility for their actions. And I obviously I tweeted out on Saturday just how this administration needs to answer for why we are in this place to begin with. Like, how come we can't you know, how come they never want to address the public and, and answer the hard questions about what is Vanderbilt doing to to secure the success of this program? I mean, you see it. You see the public. Why is Vanderbilt still in the SEC? Why are we letting this team, you know, like, how is that, like, if I'm a booster, why would I want to contribute money to a losing program? You know, losing athletics. I want to say athletics. Like, obviously, we have, you know, baseball and stuff that does really good. But, like, bowling's great. The bowling is fantastic. But let's focus on what people really want to see. And that's football, basketball, America's sport. They they want to see baseball. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, let, let's face it. In 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 college sports in America, if you if you're looking at the the dollar amounts spent by fans, you're looking at like seventy five percent football, twenty percent basketball, like four percent baseball, one percent everything else. Mm-hmm. And, and so, <laughs> and so they just can't answer the hard questions about what is you know, 
why are we here now? Why are we getting absolutely annihilated by SEC opponents? And I don't want to hear about this. Oh, we're, we two games. I don't want to hear this. You know, we beat two sorry ass out of conference schools. Like, when are we going to start barely, competing against? Barely. Oh, we, we should have lost to uh, Colorado. I mean, we, we yeah. should have lost to, um, what was the other one we had? UConn. UConn. Dude, they, well, they didn't kick a field goal. They, like, went for it one time when they should have kicked a field goal. Like, they should have beat us. They made some, they gave us that game. They made some dumb, dumb mistakes, like, coaching-wise, that cost them that game. Like, if any other team would have been out there and would have made some better decisions on, like, going for it on fourth down and, like, not taking points when they should have, like, we would have lost that game. UConn is a sorry football team. Like, they so after they lost to us, they went and lost University of Massachusetts, who's UMass. awful. Oh and goodness. then they finally got their first win of the season last week when they beat FCS non-scholarship Yale. Good job. <laughs> Good job. You beat Yale, who's in like the bottom third of the Ivy League, where they don't give football scholarships. And you won by a field goal. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, that was our Super Bowl, man. You know, now I get it. Obviously, you got to treat every win like it's the, you know, you got to treat every win like it's the like best a, win ever. A win is a but, win. Uh, like, yes, like getting getting the win is a good thing, you know, and I mean, the, the fireworks display was a little excessive. <laughs> I guess that's what I meant by like, that was our World <laughs> Series, man. Which is, it's, just, it's so it's so pathetic. I mean, it's so pathetic turning on the game on Saturday and just seeing in an empty stadium. Literally, like maybe a thousand people in the stands, you know, uh, at least what I could see from, you know, the camera. I mean, I send you like, you know, I'll send you a video from my seat every time I go sit down. Like, you know, it's there's no one around us. Like we sit with our it's me and my wife and our like two of our best friends. I paid like four hundred dollars for my season tickets. And I, you know, I can't even give them away. I can't even give them away. I can't even pay someone to take them. Yeah, and it's and and it starts to affect the other things around the game. So our, our 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 really close friend who we sit with, she was a member of Spirit of Gold. She was in the she was in the marching band, mm-hmm. and even since you know, I mean, we all graduated fifteen years ago, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, thirteen years ago. But even even I'm, in that, I'm in, at ten <laughs> in, in in that in in that in that time, you know, she knows like, you know. It's not like the Spirit of Gold band has ever been like, you know, we're not Alabama's band, but like it is, it's, it's pathetic at this point. I mean, I don't know if this is true. I don't, I, I don't know if this is true, but I know when I was there, I believe I had heard that a majority of the Vanderbilt band was actually Belmont. That, in that, yep. mm-hmm. in that, like they couldn't even fill the band with Vanderbilt students. They had Correct. to go and recruit. People who Belmont wanted to be a so with and yeah, Lipscomb. Get, <laughs> have you ever heard of such a thing? You had to recruit other schools' bands to even play your games because you couldn't get a commitment from the student body to want to even play at the home games. Nope. I mean, nope. It's to be fair, like Belmont's got tough, all those music man. majors, but like still, you know. No, it, yeah. But, just, but 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 still, like you know, and and I, I was homecoming. God, it must have been. Which, by the three- way, I didn't even realize that Mrs. I didn't even realize it was homecoming last week. Well, three you years ago, known. Looking. I was gonna say three years ago, homecoming 2018. 
they for the homecoming like celebration instead of having the Vandy band play they had the TSU band play who was the visiting oh. team but they brought them in specifically well, because it was homecoming and they went and to be fair rocking. the TSU band is awesome like they're fantastic say, don't get me wrong rocking. but it was just like it's also like that's a slap in the face man like yeah. here well, we're going to have see, them see. in for homecoming so we can yeah. so so we can have their band play come on i, I see again i see where we're going with most of these podcasts and it turns into week in and week out just just you know discussing things that are going on at Vanderbilt within McGugan you know on the football field what we're seeing from Vanderbilt's leader you know the head coach Clark Lee and it's like I feel like you know the definition of insanity just doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results but it's it's what it's who we are and that is just really really tough pill to swallow I uh I'll go on the record and tell and tell all the people listening, Clark Lee ain't it. You know, he, he ain't it. And if you want to challenge me or if you want to debate me on this, um, all I got to say is just look, you are what you put on tape, my friend. And there is no rationalizing. Well, once he gets his recruits or once we get the facilities, no, it we're, we're halfway through the season. We were expecting to see, against South Carolina and UMass, you know, a lot better, a lot better football team than we saw against Eastern Tennessee against week one. But I would, I would say we've almost degressed in a lot of ways and in, in, in certain areas, you know, maybe some, I'll give, I'll give uh, props to coach Blasek. I think the O-line, like we talked about is one of those position groups that's getting better, but the receivers are just, I mean, they're, I, I don't even know. They haven't done anything. They can't do anything obviously with right, you know, in the backfield, I haven't even heard of these I, guys. I think I think Chris Pierce has been the bright spot in the receiver room mm-hmm. this year. Cam Johnson's, on and the, I feel bad uh, for Chris Pierce. I oh want him God. to. I Chris, mean, Pier- Chris Pierce is going to play in the NFL. Chris Pierce is going to play in the NFL. You look I at agree. you look at his body. You look at his uh, ability to. You know, he gives one hundred and ten percent every darn play. Yes. You know, he's one of those guys that is not And the poor out. guy the poor he's guy the poor out. guy can't catch a break. The poor guy <laughs> can't catch he can't catch a pass because he can't even get in a attempted throw. You know? And it's just a mess, man. It is just like watching freaking high school football out there, seeing so many of these dumb they got the stupid rugby punt, like getting twenty yards. Like what why do we have to feel like we need to be special? Like why do we feel like we need to be so different all the time? Just punt it regular, punt it, get, you know, get 40, 50 yards. Instead, we do the stupid ass rugby punt. It's just trying to hope you get a good bounce. It's just like little things like that. I'm like, oh, they got the ball at the 45. Like, you know, I think we we did a rugby punt where we were on like the eight or nine yard line and we punt the rugby punt and they get it at the 45. And I'm like, our 45. I'm like, what the, what are we doing? Like, what are we, it looks like a freaking high school football out there dropping the balls on the kickoffs. How many ball? How many times do they drop the freaking kickoff, dusting it off, and trying to run it out and getting like five yards? Dude, take the touchback, man! Get the ball to twenty-five. The what entire reason, like, they, part of the like, they, they a couple years ago they moved the touchback to the twenty-five, and you can call a fair kick on a fair catch on a kickoff for that exact reason. I know. Just do it. What? Why Just do we it? Do like what? Like instead, it's instead it's so embarrassing to see them drop the freaking kickoffs. Not only does he field it and only get ten yards. But he, they drop it and then they like pick it up and try to get yardage out of it. I'm like, 
this looks so freaking sloppy. It looks like a high school team out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like you were saying, Ryan, like you are what you put in tape and you are what your record says you are. And our record oh, says, yeah. and our record says 0 and 4 in SEC play. And, and we'll probably finish two and ten. Yeah, and outscored in SEC play. Hold on, I gotta do. Uh, I gotta do some, some quick math here. Oh yeah, uh, I mean the first the first two games it was 104 points to zero to yep. zero. Um. So and, I, and and so I just don't see one, how he's gonna, outscored it, 170 to 26. 170 oh, to 26 in SEC play. My gosh. 170 oh. to 26 in SEC play. Oh my goodness. How, how do you, <laughs> I said five minutes ago, Clark Lee ain't it. How, how do you, how do you, how do you get signed for a second year? How, how, like, how do you get signed for a second season with, with those type of numbers? Their point differential is minus 22.2 points per game. They are losing on by on average, more than three touchdowns per game. Oh I'm, I'm just going to run. I've got some great statistics in front of us. There are 130 teams. In, in in major college football. Vanderbilt is dead last in scoring offense, 13.2 points per game. Wait, not not second to last, dead, dead last. last. Oh. Dead last in scoring offense. And this includes, well, I would say like this includes games against FCS teams. We scored three points against an FCS team. We damn near got shut out by East Tennessee State in opening weekend. Anyhow. Um, as I was saying, yeah, we 13.2 points per game. Second to last is New Mexico at 14 points per game. Um, yeah, almighty New Mexico. Um, we are 124th in total offense, 121st in rushing offense, 122nd in passing efficiency, 120th in total defense, 122nd in passing yards allowed, 111th in passing efficiency allowed, 120th in scoring defense, 107th in turnover margin. Uh, our third down conversion percentage on offense is 123rd. Our red zone oh offense is 116th. God. Our kickoff returns, like you mentioned, 122nd, averaging 15 yards per return. That's terrible. Uh, they're, uh, Take it at the damn 25. Uh, they've given uh, 105th in uh, in first downs allowed, 102nd in turnover uh, in first downs gained, um, and uh, Matt, you haven't said any number over. Pass- you haven't said any number under 100 yet. You haven't said any number. Their under best ranks are fourth down conversion percentage, which is useless because it's such a small sample. Um, third down conversion percentage defense. Uh, opponents are only getting a. Uh, a first down uh, from a third down 38.7% of the time against us. That's 59th in the country. They are in the top half, barely. Uh, our net punting average is uh, forty is 40.65 yards per punt, 52nd in the country. And, oh, you know what we're best at? Not committing penalties. We're 38th in the country in fewest penalties per game and fewest penalty yards per game. That is <laughs> our best feel bad for standing us. <laughs> in out of every major statistical category yeah i mean it's appalling listening to some of those stats you just read off i mean i don't think i heard many many of those were under 100 uh, out of 130 teams that we're we're talking about yeah i mean um how do you i just how do you if, as you know as the administration how do you how, how do you give a guy a, a second year 
you know, and it's just, I don't have any ill will to, towards Clark Lee. Seems like a nice guy. I got a hell of a lot more respect for him than I do old Derek Mason. But well, um, I don't know. I don't know if he's a nice guy because I I don't see any emotions on his face. I don't I don't see anything. I mean, <laughs> like I said, like cyborg. Like I I think he's cyborg. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I I I sure. Like I mean, he's a great personal story of how he got to Vanderbilt, how what he was as a player what he is as you know as a defensive mind i mean he you know he led notre dame's defense to a you know to, to the playoff last year don't get me wrong like i don't but i just i think it's a very different thing from being a coordinator to being a head coach and yeah i see a lot can, of the message boards this yeah. guy this is a typical mason 2.0 where they're trying to figure it out on the job yeah and i'm sorry the sec is not the place to learn on the job you said it matt that is a great point. You know, any of these, you don't expect to become an SEC, the premier league in college football, the number one league in college sports to figure it out on the job. You think about that. I mean, really think about some of the sacrifices and, and some of, you know, the history of some of these college football coaches who have had, you know, long, long, long outstanding history of winning before they ever got to a head coaching position in the SEC. Mm -hmm. And here we are with a guy who's trying to figure it out. Figure it out. And it's not the place to do that, especially when you are starting at the disadvantage that you already have at Vanderbilt. It's one thing if you are at Georgia with unlimited resources, unlimited amounts of in-state talent and an administration that is going to back whatever it is that you want to do. But if you're when you're if you're trying to do it at Vanderbilt where you have an administration that isn't going to back in whatever you want to do, you have a much smaller talent pool, a much smaller budget to work with, you had better be a a leader, an actual leader, someone who is not afraid to go out front. I, I mean, we're hitting the same points over and over again. James Franklin's not afraid to go out front and and no. and, and say something and do something and be. Like, I I feel like Coach Lee is reluctant to be the face of the program, and that's part of the problem. If you are going to succeed at Vanderbilt, you have to be willing to be a face of the program and take the flack and take and you know and and, and you know, that that comes with it. And it you know there's just a lot of deflecting of blame. Yeah. Um, again, you mentioned we're just kind of hitting on the same points here. You're right. I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm at a loss for words, Matt. Man, I, I think we, you know, are close to wrapping it up. But you know, Vanderbilt has got to, has got to make changes soon. Uh, you know, I think we all can see how the 2021 season is going to play out. I don't think Vanderbilt is going to win a game the rest of the year. I think they're going to finish two and 10. You know, unfortunately, I think Lee's going to get another year, maybe even two. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of the same old lip service that we saw under, you know, the Derek Mason years where, you know, oh, once he gets his, well, once he gets his recruits, once we get these facilities up and going, you know, it's going to have us a better chance to start getting some highly, you know, some five-star guys in here, some highly, some highly recruited athletes and we're going to turn it around. He'll probably, he's probably going to fire the OC at the end of the year, you know, um, you know, and we, we might finish, you know, three and 
eight, or, you know, you know, excuse me, like uh, we might win three games next year, we might win four, but you know, I just don't see a championship level program under under the under Lee, unfortunately, and and that's kind of where we are in this point. You know, again, like we talked earlier in the year, we had high expectations. With time, we're going to see how this plays out. Well, time is ticking, and I think we all are starting to see what we, you know, your 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 gut feeling. A lot of time is usually the right feeling. You know, when you have a hunch on something, that's usually it's usually right. You know, people say, "Hey, trust your instincts on this, trust your gut." And you know, obviously, we all don't want to be bashful and someone who's obviously making a ton of sacrifices and is you know obviously got a big big job ahead of them, but it's a results, you know, it's a results driven business, man. It just is what it is. And unfortunately no one out here is being, you know, has any toward any ill will towards anybody, but unfortunately this position is just what have you done for me lately? It's a result driven business. You are what your record is. There is no, well, you know, what if, or next time there is none of that, man. And that's just, that's just the nature of the game. And that's just the kind of football. That's the football, brutal, that's life. And the that's brutal life. aspect of it, man. That's that's life, you know. And and um, and Vanderbilt needs to realize that you're not going to hurt his feelings, you know. I mean, he understands what he signed up for, you know. You're not going to hurt if he gets canned at the end of the year. You know, he's going to get another opportunity to to get himself. He'll go be a like, defensive coordinator at a high level program. Absolutely. And, yeah. Look at Derek Mason, D, freaking DC at Auburn, like. Yep. I mean, but, um, but Vanderbilt just needs to do what's right. And I was even in the, again, I was messaging people back and forth, like Vanderbilt needs to get at the mentality of if there's a better option, we need to go with the better option. There is no, we're going to put all of our chips in one basket and just let this freaking ride out. If there are other opportunities, if there are better coaches at the end of this year, if, you know, some of these big guys get let go, like if a better coach is available, just like the NFL, man. There's a freaking draft every year. If a better guy's available, we're going to draft in that position group. If we need help, we're going to draft in that position group. If, you know, a better coach becomes available, we're going to freaking pay the buyout and we're going to get the better coach. And so why don't we do that? Why we're just freaking rolling with it until the damn wheels fall off like we did with Mason? You know, we have an opportunity here. This administration has an opportunity to make a, to, to make a wrong or right and, you know, Show the fans that hey, what what all of our expectations were, and that's winning football. Unfortunately, didn't come to fruition with Clark Lee, and we're going to go ahead and make a you know make a move to to, to take a, our best step forward. And um, they have the opportunity to do that. I guess you know obviously we'll see how it pans out at the end of the year. Who knows? Maybe Clark Lee goes. I, I don't want to be here. You know who knows? Maybe he might step down. Who knows? You never know. But. Uh, Again, it's been a few weeks since we got to do a podcast, yep. but unfortunately, it's just no. it is what it is because of the state that Vanderbilt football is in. Um, all of us are scratching our heads and wondering what are we going to do to dig ourselves out of this hole, man. And that's 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 been the message the last nine years since since you know James Franklin left the program at its peak, the heights it's ever been, you know, to now in my tenure, the lowest it's ever been. And it's a hard, hard pill to swallow. So, so Matt, that's my closing statements. Um, um I, I'm right. I'm right there with you, buddy. Um, you know, I mean, in 
just remember, like, none of this is to say that, like, I'm not going to be there in Vandyville before the game on Saturday in the stands on Saturday for home for for the Missouri game. Like, I'm not to the point where I don't watch. I still no. watch the games every Saturday. You know, I'm still cheering the guys on. I'm still, you know, still hoping that. You know, we can pull a win out, and honestly, I, I cheer for the individual guys. Yeah, like, for I, sure. I, I want I want them all to do well. I want the O line to be, you know, praised, and I want Steen to get drafted high next year. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I have nothing but, you know, wishful thinking for these guys and want the best for them. But, uh, you know, as a fan and as a program and as a former player, it's just sickening to see the message boards and to watch games every week, week in and week out and just see the same thing, you know, Vanderbilt loot lost again. You know, it's like everyone on the Twitter boards is saying, Oh, I can't wait to play Vandy. It's going to be a, you know, an automatic win. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's, t- that's just a slap in the face, man. Like who's ever running that, like who, like whoever makes the decisions, Deermeyer, Le- you know, Candace, boosters like wake the wake up man like wake up and are y'all gonna do something about this or just gonna like just gonna ride it until the wheels fall off we'll see we will see all right well i think that's gonna do it for us today still gonna say it though buddy till next time anchor down anchor down matt thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.